Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome listeners, and thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you could drop by to listen to this new episode where we explore the strange but persistent sightings of flying humans and humanoid creatures. You know, people are seeing weird things in the skies, UFOs, giant birds, flying cryptids, but humans taking flight? Really? Yeah, really. So get ready to explore a weird little corner of the paranormal universe. Now, on to our episode. It was very early in the morning, 3.15 a.m. on Friday, January the 16th, 2004, when police officer Leonardo Samaniego from Guadalupe, Mexico, was doing his nightly patrolling routine in his police car around Colonia Valles de la Silla. Everything was normal. He had no way of knowing the shocking encounter he was about to experience, a frightening event he will never forget. The night was cold and dark, and the streets were empty, when Samaniego made a turn onto Alamo Street and immediately noticed something bizarre. A huge black object fell from a tree beside the street, but it stopped just before touching the ground, and then slowly landed and turned itself to face the patrol car. At that moment, Officer Samaniego knew that something was wrong, very wrong. So he turned on the high beams of his car to see what the black object was that fell from the tree. That's when his nightmare began. It was a woman, all dressed in black, that fell from the tree, but she didn't touch the ground, just remained floating several feet from the ground, he would later state. I saw her very well, and then she landed softly on the ground and stood there looking at me. She was trying to cover her face from the lights of the car. I think they were bothering her. I could see two big black eyes on her, completely black without eyelids, and her skin was dark brown. She was all dressed in black with cloak and cape like a, like a witch, and she seemed very upset by the lights. In a matter of seconds, the scene turned into a terrific sequence of events, almost like a horror movie, but all too real for Samaniego. The being jumped very fast over to and onto Samaniego's patrol car, trying to get at him. The shocked police officer tried to drive away in reverse while shouting desperately for backup assistance on his radio. Here is Officer Samaniego's testimony of these terrifying seconds that for him must have seemed like an eternity. As soon as I realized it was a kind of woman being or a witch, very strange standing there trying to cover her face, she threw herself against my car very fast, falling on the car and hitting the windshield. She was flying very fast and it took only a second to hit the windshield glass. I was so shocked by this action that I put the car in reverse and pushed the accelerator trying to get away while requesting backup assistance by radio. According to Officer Samaniego's statement, the female being was trying to grab him with her hands right through the car's windshield. She was separated from the officer by only the few centimeters of the car's windshield glass. It was at this moment that Officer Samaniego got his best visual look at the being he described 
as a witch. It was a woman with big black eyes. Everything was black, no eyelids. Her skin was dark brown and her expression was horrible. She was furiously trying to get at me with her claws while I was running away in reverse, calling desperately for backup assistance to any units around. When I finally hit the end of the street, I, I was so shocked that I covered my eyes and then I fainted. Officer Samaniego lost consciousness after he covered his eyes, trying not to see the frightening humanoid still attached to the windshield trying to get to him. The severe amount of high stress he experienced caused him to black out. Some minutes later, two police units arrived, as well as an ambulance that was nearby. When they got to the patrol car, they found Officer Samaniego unconscious. Fortunately, he was not injured, perhaps due to the fact that he never abandoned the car during the incident. That decision may have prevented a tragedy, may have even saved his life. After several minutes, he regained consciousness and was attended to by paramedics. A TV camera crew that arrived with a police unit recorded Officer Samaniego's first interview just minutes after he felt calm enough during the interrogation by his fellow police officers. All of this occurred at the same place as the bizarre incident. Officer Samaniego stood firmly by his account, insisting the being was a witch that could fly and had attacked him and his patrol car. An extensive search was done around the area by police units trying to find any tracks or evidence of the mysterious female being, but nothing was found. The ambulance took Officer Samaniego to the hospital for a medical evaluation, and he remained there all day. The Secretary of Public Security for Guadalupe, Hamlet Castilla Garcia, informed the media that several drug tests as well as other examinations were conducted on Officer Samaniego to check for any toxic substances in his body like alcohol or any kind of drug. All the tests were negative. Also, Dr. Edelmiro Perez Rodriguez, who is coordinator of medical services in the hospital Universitario, reported that after several psychiatric and psychological examinations, they found Officer Samaniego mentally and physically healthy. Guadalupe Mayor Juan Francisco Rivera declared the next day that Samaniego was a fine police officer in the department, and there is no reason whatsoever to think that he would have invented such a story. A flying humanoid is considered a paranormal winged entity found in many traditions worldwide. Most commonly, it's a human being or human-like, either naked or clothed, and is usually flying through the air by means of wings. Now, those wings may appear fabricated or organic, most often described as bat-like. But not always. Sometimes there is no evidence of any wings or other means of propulsion. So how far back do these tales go? As it turns out, there have been stories of flying humans that go back a long way in history. Well, we're going to highlight some stunning cases of recent eyewitness accounts of flying humanoids in just a bit. But these reports have been going on for centuries. There are accounts from various religions, especially involving a form of flying, levitation. And there are also legends of witches and sorcerers having the ability to fly. We start with some of the accounts of holy men and women across various religious traditions who are said to have had the ability to fly in a variety of ways. In Buddhism, it is recounted as one of the miracles of Buddha that he walked on water levitating with crossed legs over a stream in order to convert a Brahmin to Buddhism. Yogi Milarepa 
a Buddhist guru, was rumored to have possessed a range of additional abilities during levitation, such as the ability to walk, rest, and sleep above the ground. It is considered a normal siddhi power that is mentioned in Buddhist canons that sitting cross-legged, he flies through the air like a winged bird. Marco Polo, the first Westerner to formally record an encounter with the Tibetan Lamas, reported witnessing the Lamas flying over 700 years ago. The modern adventurer, Madame Alexander David Neal, also wrote of her sightings of Lamas taking flight. In Christianity, we have several saints who reportedly had the ability to fly or levitate. Saint Francis of Assisi, founder of the Franciscan Order, is recorded as having been suspended above the earth often to a height of four to six feet. Saint Teresa of Avila, a Carmelite nun and doctor of the church, claimed to have levitated at a height of about one and a half feet for an extended period of nearly an hour in a state of mystical rapture. She called the experience a spiritual visitation. St. Martin de Porres, a lay brother of the Dominican order, claimed psychic powers of bilocation, being able to pass through closed doors, and levitation. And St. Joseph of Cupertino was often called the Flying Saint. It was said whenever Joseph grew elated with heavenly joy, he rose to the ceiling and would sometimes stay there for hours. In his cause for beatification, there are records of about 70 episodes of levitation. He even flew to the ceiling when visiting Pope Urban VIII. He is the patron saint of aviators. Within Hinduism, it is believed that some Hindu mystics and gurus who have achieved certain spiritual powers are able to levitate. Now, what about witches and warlocks? Sage Journal did a review of international mass media in January of 2019 that revealed stories concerning crash landings of witches over the past decade. They were reported in Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, Swaziland, Zimbabwe, and Mexico. Crash landings of flying witches are a recurring feature of the Ghanan witchcraft experience and larger magico-religious landscape. In popular Ghanaian witchcraft tales, these inadvertently abandoned flights occur while witches are en route to secret assemblies or to carry out unholy acts. Ghanaian witch lore suggests that when flying witches encounter Christian religious activities and objects, such as powerful devotional worship, deep prayer, or sacred Christian symbols, their journeys forcibly abort, causing them to crash to the ground. In Mexico and other Central and South America countries, brujas and brujos are referred to in discussions about magic and witchcraft. These words are Spanish in origin and are used in many Spanish-speaking cultures in Latin America and the Caribbean to refer to people who are practitioners of witchcraft. Bruja, with the A at the end, is the female variation, while a brujo is male. Typically, the word bruja or brujo is used to apply to someone practicing low magic or even sorcery. A practitioner of Wicca or other neo-pagan religion might not be considered a bruja. But the wise woman on the edge of town who offers hexes and charms may be one. In general, it's considered a negative term rather than a flattering one. 
The practice of brujeria, which is a form of folk magic, usually involves charms, love spells, curses, hexes, and divination. Many practices are rooted in a blend of folklore, traditional herbalism, and Catholicism. Brujas are known for practicing both dark and light magic, so if a child or animal disappears, a bruja may be suspected of stealing them away. Traditions and folklores hold that brujas can change their shape, inflict curses through the evil eye, and otherwise use their powers for evil. And most notably for this episode, they are said to have the ability to fly. While there are these traditions and folklores of individuals having the ability to fly, they don't always help to explain some of the truly bizarre reports of flying humanoids over the last century and a half. These don't seem to be holy and benevolent individuals expressing their religious euphoria through flight. Rather, encounters with these entities have a distinct air of malevolence and even danger. The encounters do not inspire elation and joy, but rather fear and dread. So, there have been many reports of flying humanoids since the late 1800s. What many of these accounts have that the centuries-old reports did not is the ability for these eyewitness stories to get out there quickly via mass communication, sometimes with the added benefit of other witnesses coming forward. And there is also the benefit of modern technology to film purported encounters, to call others quickly to also witness a paranormal event. So let's look at some of the more recent sightings over the years. Sightings from 1877 to 1969. William H. Smith saw a winged human form flying over Brooklyn, New York on September the 18th, 1877. The story was reported on by the New York Sun. In September of 1880, a black man with bat's wings was seen flying 1,000 feet over Coney Island, New York. It was reported the figure had a cruel and angry expression. On April the 14th, 1897, B.C. Wells, the mayor of Mount Vernon, Illinois, and other citizens saw something that resembled the body of a huge man swimming through the air with an electric light on his back. By the way, the incident occurred during a wave of UFO sightings throughout the Midwestern United States. In 1905, 200 witnesses in Voltana, Spain, witnessed a female humanoid dressed in white. She was flying in the air, but had no wings. The witnesses said she was flying against the wind and singing. On July 11, 1908, writer Vladimir K. Arsenyev encountered what he thought was a flying man in the mountains of Siberia. Local hunters had apparently seen it on other occasions. In the USSR in 1936, in the Pavlodar region of Kazakhstan, a 15-year-old girl reported seeing a flying man dressed all in black above her as she walked to school. She described a rumbling sound and said it was wearing some kind of headgear like a helmet, but had no face. On January the 6, 1948, Bernice Zakowski and a group of children in Chehalis, Washington, claimed to have seen a man hovering over a barn 20 feet in the air. He appeared to have long, silver mechanical wings that he manipulated with instruments on his chest. His apparatus made a whizzing sound, 
Several other witnesses reported similar creatures sighted near Longview, Washington later that year. In 1952, U.S. Air Force Private Sinclair Taylor saw what he thought was an enormous bird while on guard duty at Camp Okupo near Kyoto, Japan. As it hovered not far away, he saw it had the body of a man, about seven feet tall and a seven-foot wingspan. He emptied his carbine into it as it landed, but couldn't find a trace of it. Hilda Walker and two other residents of Houston, Texas, on June the 18th, 1953, watched a bat-winged figure wearing a cape and bathed in a dim gray light glide into a pecan tree near them. The light faded and the figure disappeared. They also saw a torpedo-shaped object overhead. U.S. Marine Earl Morrison was on guard duty near Da Nang, Vietnam in the summer of 1969 when he and the two other soldiers he was with saw a naked woman with black furry skin fly about six to seven feet over their heads just after 1 a.m. It was about five feet tall, flew by flapping black wings attached to its arms, hands, and fingers, and gave off an eerie greenish glow. There have been recent sightings as well. The 2000s saw a multitude of sightings in Mexico that many believe are flying witches or sorcerers. On October the 1st, 2000, an Aero California pilot spotted a dark humanoid creature flying over Mexico City during one of his flights. He could not see any machine supporting this creature. In reference to the police officer encounter we talked about earlier in Mexico on January the 16th, 2004, it turns out he was not the only one who saw the flying humanoid. A police officer from Santa Catarina, Jorge Cotreras, declared that he and two more policemen from the Regia Police saw exactly the same flying being that Officer Samaniego saw, but three days before. They saw it flying and decided not to say anything until they heard about his sighting. Norma Alicia Herrera, who lives in Colonia La Playa, stated in a TV interview that she and her brother also saw the being flying at daytime and that it looked weird. She said that her brother was so stunned by the sighting that he was sick for almost a week afterwards. A neighbor in that sector also videotaped several days before a strange flying humanoid being and gave the video to the local TV station. The footage was released the same day during the newscast of Channel 34 and later on Channel 2, causing even more uproar among local people. And there were more strange sightings in 2004. On February the 14th, 2004, Anna Luisa Sid published her story along with tape of a bizarre phenomenon that she encountered over the sky of Mexico City. According to her story and also the video, a strange black object was hovering still in the sky. Initially, she thought it was a helicopter standing still at a distance because the top part of the object seemed to be pulsating, just like the blades of a helicopter when they are seen from a distance. Suddenly, the strange object was split in half. One part reminded her of a human wearing a cloak, and the other was dark with large wings. At some point, the two-part entity became one again and disappeared from sight. On June 17, 2005, Horacio Raquette from Lomas, de Platero 
encountered with his little sister, a woman dressed in black, hovering above the house. They stated that the creature looked at them angrily and then flew away until it disappeared. On the creature's hand, the witnesses saw something that looked like a small device emanating a red light. On May the 2nd, 2008, an airborne woman was filmed hovering over the mountains of Nuevo Leon City, Mexico. The video, which is in our show notes, shows a floating figure gliding horizontally across the tops of the mountains. She even appears to walk off a cliff at one point and is suspended in air. According to locals, this particular occurrence was first spotted in 2006, but this was the first time it was ever caught on tape. Eyewitnesses said that they had often seen the figure with a cape and believe it to be a wizard or witch. Leading ufologist Anna Louisa Sid concurs that this is a legitimate paranormal occurrence. A local UFO club was the group that managed to film the incident, along with a police officer that claimed a floating person had dropped out of the sky and landed on his hood. And there are other reports from the United States. In 2006 in La Crosse, Wisconsin, a man and his son reported seeing a six-foot-tall flying man with wings. They described his face as being hideous and full of sharp teeth. They reported the creature screamed loudly as it nearly hit the truck they were in. A humanoid was seen and recorded by three separate individuals in 2015 as it flew over Sequoia Park in Los Angeles, California. And in 2017, more than 50 people in Chicago, Illinois, reported seeing a flying humanoid entity they described as resembling a huge bat. One defining feature, fiery red eyes. Most of the sightings were at night, although some occurred in daytime. While most sightings were of the creature flying, there were other encounters where it was perched on rooftops. So there have been many sightings over the years, and people are convinced they are seeing something unusual and possibly otherworldly. That may be, but there are other possible explanations. So what about the skeptics? Well, I mean, do we really have to even bring skeptics into this conversation? After hearing some of these reports, you may be feeling pretty skeptical yourself. No input from the so-called skeptical experts needed. It is truly bizarre to even consider some people would have the ability to fly. On the other hand, if they do, what will explain the how and why? And does it imply we all have some natural inherent ability? Well, those who have stated they witnessed such phenomenon certainly believe what they've seen. Of course, there is always the possibility they have simply misidentified what their eyes witnessed. Human-like flying balloons would certainly appear at a distance to be a flying human. Even a drone, dangling scientific or photographic gear below it, could be misidentified. And we also cannot discount the possibility of mental illness in some of these cases, at least. In many of the Ghanaian crashing witch cases, the supposed witches were actually found to be people from other villages in the area with histories of mental illness. Superstitions and folklore involving witches helped to exasperate the situations and added to the local hysteria. But that doesn't account for all of these sightings or encounters, especially the ones with close-up confrontations with 
law enforcement officers, soldiers, pilots, and others. There are, of course, those who put forth supernatural or paranormal possibilities for these flying creatures. Some have offered up angels and demons as explanations for the entities. In fairness, some of the descriptions would suggest angels with wings, though more reports appear to be on the darker side and suggest demonic creatures. In light of several sightings also reporting UFOs in the same vicinity as the beings, it isn't surprising that some suggest these are extraterrestrials that may be straying outside of their crafts. It has also been suggested in a paranormal light that these could be interdimensional beings slipping in and out of our dimension, or possibly even time travelers from our future, maybe genetically altered or even exposing an evolutionary change in our future makeup. And while these sightings are nowhere near the volume of UFO sightings in our skies, they are happening. Witnesses continue to describe them. Media continues to report them. And videos continue to show them. Thousands of UFO sightings, hundreds seeing giant birds in the skies, and now flying humanoids. The skies are getting crowded. It's almost enough to make you swear off ever buying that future flying car. Well, in our next episode, we take up a classic UFO case, one of the most famous sightings in UFO history, the Lubbock Lights. The Lubbock Lights were an unusual formation of lights seen over the city of Lubbock, Texas in August and September of 1951. The incident received national publicity in the United States as a UFO sighting and was investigated by the U.S. Air Force. Hundreds of people, including several university scientists, witnessed the flying blue-green lights. And even though it was 1951, one person even had the wherewithal to take photos. At around 9.20 p.m., August 25, 1951, three university colleagues saw something unearthly in the expanse of Texas sky, a V-shaped formation of 15 to 30 bluish-green lights passing overhead. The scientists were all in agreement. They had witnessed something fantastic. But what was it? Well, we're going to attempt to find out when we look into the case of the Lubbock Lights. Next time on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Yes, indeed it is. So here is your question. Where was El Chupacabra first seen? Was it A, Mexico? B, Texas? C, Jamaica? Or D, Puerto Rico? Once again, where was El Chupacabra first seen? Was it Mexico, Texas, Jamaica, Puerto Rico? And the answer is... D. Puerto Rico. The first encounters and sightings of El Chupacabra began in 1975 in Puerto Rico near the town of Mocha. More killings were recorded all around the island and several farms documented animal deaths. A cow was discovered deceased in Mocha's Barrio Cruz just a few months later with strange sucking holes on its head and scars on its skin. The number killed had risen to around 30 animals. 
Each animal's corpse was said to have been sucked dry using a succession of circular pattern cuts, and this led to the perpetrator being dubbed the Vampire of Mocha. In Canovanus, about 30 citizens claimed to have seen the chupacabra, swearing that it had swooped down from the sky and leapt over treetops. On that autumn night in Puerto Rico, the creature struck again. Farmers awoke to a horrifying scene. Dozens of turkeys, rabbits, goats, cats, dogs, horses, and even cows, dead with no explainable cause. Just the mysterious markings left by the blood-drinking chupacabra. But in the north-central city of Caguas, a startled homeowner caught the world's first fleeting glimpse of the goat sucker. Described as having huge red eyes and hairy arms, the creature allegedly broke into the bedroom of the house through a window before disappearing. Throughout this time, accounts of UFOs circulated all across the island of Puerto Rico for many months, sometimes followed by the discovery of animal carcasses found devoid of all blood. Two goats were discovered drained of blood on Hector Vega's property on March 18th. Perforated scars were seen on the goats' necks. The following night, seven additional goats were discovered dead, with another 20 damaged or gone. The vampire appeared to have reappeared. While the vampire of Mocha predates it, the real story of the chupacabra we are familiar with occurred 20 years later on March the 11th, 1995. A farmer in Orocovis, Puerto Rico, found eight of his prized sheep dead and completely drained of all blood. He then noticed all his sheep had what appeared to be bite wounds on their necks, as if they were killed by a vampiric creature. Over the next few months, hundreds of animals were slain in a similar fashion, but it wasn't until November the 19th, 1995, that a detailed description of chupacabras came from an eyewitness. It was an eyewitness named Madeline Tolentino, who would claim to see a reptilian creature with bright red eyes, fangs, and spines. This would begin the reign of terror from the cryptid known as El Chupacabra, the goat sucker in Spanish. Through the end of 1995, chupacabras had been blamed for more than 1,000 mysterious animal deaths, all resulting from blood loss through one or more puncture wounds. At the site of some deaths, unidentified three-toed tracks were found. Zoologists could think of no known animal that would adequately fit the strange portrait. In any case, the killings continued, and the chupacabra somehow jumped the Atlantic Ocean and fanned out across South and Central America, as well as the United States Southwest region. Was the chupacabra the figment of agitated imaginations? Could the witnesses have mistaken a fox or a panther for this weird creature? Was it, after all, just a superstition? Well, to learn more, check out our show on the chupacabra by listening in to Season 2, Episode 26. By the way, if you haven't visited yet, please go out to Facebook and search on The Paranormal Factor Podcast and check out all the cool content we have for you. Thanks. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. 
And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks. And thanks for stopping by.